Podcast. He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld. We've got lots to talk about. Coronavirus lockdown continues. Does that mean so does the sports hiatus? Now, here's the thing. I mean, I, it, it's no secret. It's it just it is what it is. Today, as we record this, we're recording this on Thursday, the 26th of March. Today was supposed to be opening day for Major League Baseball. The question is this. How are you doing without sports? Are you making it? Uh, man, I'm going to be 100% honest with you in that it's kind of been a, a good break here up front for me, getting back on track with some things that may have slipped, fallen by the wayside, or have just been forgotten. Really catching up in, in some of those aspects of life, as well as finding myself not glued to a screen as consistently has done done wonderful things for my mental health. But again, I know at some point in time down the road, this reality that we don't have sports, I'm a big fan of the Olympics. I know that you're not. And so as we kind of get closer to, to some of the sports that are a little more near and dear to my heart, which surprise, surprise, isn't necessarily football. It isn't baseball. It isn't softball. I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan. I just going to throw this out there. I'm a huge tennis fan as well, and I do thoroughly enjoy the Olympics. So as we get closer to major events from those different realms, that's when the reality is going to set in. But for now, I, I'm ha- I'm hanging in there. I'm doing well. Yeah, see, I'm not. And, and it's <laughs> like, I, here's the, don't, don't take offense to this if you're in the Rich DeCray boat of sports fandom, but to me, those are all minor sports. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're. They're just. They're, I'm not even going to watch them. I, even in this hiatus, you put all. You put a tennis match on. I'm not watching it. No, and I, and I wouldn't expect you to. You put the Olympics on. I I watch basketball. That there may be a softball. Couple, yeah, I would watch some softball. Um, but in general, I, look. To I am, and, and if you listen to the podcast, you know this. I'm a huge fantasy sports junkie. I love fantasy sports. And to not have any sports at all going on right now has just been – I mean, I, I like I actually went to – today is supposed to be Major League Baseball opening day. I, I actually went and looked at all the games that were supposed to be played today. And uh, to my sadness, nothing was there. So I, I caught a glimpse of something that was going around on social media. There was some David Freeze – Freeze, freezy, freeze, freeze, freeze. We're going with here. Heroics in the MLB during one of the playoff games. It was being streamed live today. You saw this. Well, I didn't watch. You it. saw that thousands. I, I think it was well above 10,000. P- I, I can't remember the exact yeah. number, but if, if I'm recalling correctly, it was something like a hundred thousand people were actually tuned in and watching this replay, which kind of brings in the gravity that no sports has had on a lot of people, not myself, more, more so you and your people. Yeah, and and I mine. remember that. And here's the thing, like in, in Fox sports has done a great job. Oklahoma's uh, pushing out a bunch of stuff uh, of, of classic basketball and football games. But again, if I've seen it, if you, I know how it ends, right. I've got limited interest. Because you've already read the last book of the, or so, last, last page of the book. Right. But I however, it. I get it. No live sports doesn't mean there aren't any sports to talk about. And we want to jump in here, uh, starting out specifically with uh, football recruiting for Oklahoma. Caleb Williams is 
is the key. I, I think we have well established that Caleb Williams is the key to this 2021 recruiting class. He is, you talk about the dominoes falling in place. He is the primary domino that I believe will make everything fall in place. Now, I'm going to preface this, Rich, by saying I know more about this than what I can actually jump in right. here on a podcast with. Right. But I think you can connect enough dots with Caleb Williams now to I'm okay with saying I believe this kid is a lock to come to the University of Oklahoma. I do not believe that he is going to make his decision public anytime in the immediate future, but I do believe there are enough people who are who are gaining traction with his decision that he's going to build momentum for this 2021 class even before he makes his public commitment. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So let, let me translate it for you, make sure we're on the same page here, because what I feel like you're saying about Caleb Williams is when we look at the recruiting sites, and that's what we're going to go based off of, we've seen that that percentage in that crystal ball continuously be bumped up when it comes to the University of Oklahoma as the rest of the field continues to decrease. It's a good indicator because – these experts are DMing, they're texting, they're having phone conversations with the recruits in a one-on-one -on -one setting, and they're gaining information. They're asking questions and gaining information, which leads them to believe something without Caleb Williams or any other recruit coming outright and saying, yes, I'm committing today. With that, though, you're saying there's traction building, and it was a line of dominoes that quickly began to fall. If I can use that kind of a terminology. That's what I just used. You stole it from Yeah, me. I know. I know, right? We're looking at that this, <laughs> this line of dominoes with the other five-star recruits who subsequently followed in Caleb Williams' footsteps to the University of Oklahoma for visits. Oklahoma, if you're, you're not aware at this point in time, Matt, I believe you are. You follow this closely enough. But Oklahoma's trending for top recruits at several positions. Granted, they're all on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line, quarterback, you're shaking your finger at me. No, because running, there's clearly some defensive guys out running there. Running back what, and yeah, wide receiver. I'm just saying top recruits, the number one at their position. Oklahoma's trending okay. in with whoever that name is at this point in time. Oklahoma's trending with that name. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I... I I cannot, like I said, I cannot tell you everything I know about this situation, but I think what I can do is I can help you connect the dots to come to the same conclusion that I've come to through another method. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Sure. So let, let's start with his elongated visit to the University of Oklahoma. And you and I, we, I think we broke down this visit just about any way possible that we can. It was not just Caleb Williams. It was his parents with him. His mentor was with him. They didn't just talk football. They talked life. They talked academics. He, he met with the interim president of the University of Oklahoma. Um, it was an extended visit. And, and again, I, I'm repeating what I've said before because uh, you know this and people who listen to the podcast know this. My son went through this. My son mm -hmm. was recruited to play football. He was a quarterback. And we've been on these visits. And my wife always told me she loved watching him play football. And, you know, Friday night. 
She's ready to go at 4 o'clock to get to the stadium to do everything. She wants to see him before the game. She wants to watch him warm up. And then she wants to be there through the duration and then afterwards. But when it came to recruiting, my wife was like, look, when you guys, when he, Craig, my son, when you get to a point where you know this is where you think you want to go to college, I'll go on a visit with you. And which is funny because he narrowed it down to like three choices. And my wife makes her first ever campus visit. She she doesn't listen to the podcast, so uh, so I'm safe to tell the story. My wife <laughs> makes her first ever campus visit. And again, those visits, it's not just X's and O's. It's not just football facility. We're actually touring the campus, and we're looking at the dorms, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the classrooms, and we're looking at the library. And my wife just – so her first time to do this – just burst into tears. I'm talking about the sobbing, ugly cry, okay? But – and I'm saying Caleb Williams' mom did that. But what I am saying, we do know that his mom had a connection with Lincoln Riley. We know that the family loved the campus. His mom talked about how peaceful the campus was. It's no coincidence that this was a three-day visit. Right. But the second thing you got to look at, and, and you and I had talked about this earlier in the week, Williams officially named five schools as his finalist. And you remember what my reply to you was? Yeah, so the question that I had asked you for all of our listeners who aren't, aren't previewed to our text conversations that go on throughout the week, I just asked you, does uh, – we're, we're trying to connect some dots here. I, I get that. Some eyes, some commitments are out there that have no names attached to them. There's a lot of speculation that it was Caleb Williams, not from you, but from what I was reading on social media. And then the very next day – Caleb Williams narrows that list of five. And I was like, so do you think people are going to back off of that relating the eyes or connecting the eyes that Lincoln Riley tweeted out to Caleb Williams and your response? Well, no, I don't think they're going to back away on that. But also I know that Caleb Williams made, he, here's what I can tell you five schools because he had to now keep in mind, he's, he's live blogging this experience. Okay. Which is one of the reasons why it's going to be drawn out. Because he's blogging this for SI.com, which is fascinating if you want to get in the right. head of a kid who's being I've recruited. actually got it pulled up right but, here. Okay. But, you know, you, you can't just come out and say, well, I mean, if you're doing this, you can't just come out and say, okay, I've made my decision. Here, here's where I'm going. It's got to be the easy letdown. So you narrow it down to five, and then you're going to narrow it down to three. And by the way, I'm going to just go ahead and, and say this. His final three, I believe, is going to be Oklahoma, LSU, and Maryland. Now, Maryland, I'm going to come back to the five, okay? And I'm going to tell you some things about Maryland. But Maryland is not in the running here, okay? I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you Maryland is not in the running. Um, But neither is Clemson and neither is Penn State, okay? But I'm going to come back to the five schools in just a second. Here's what you got to look at with Caleb Williams. If you're trying to connect these dots and come to the conclusion that I've come to through other methods, what is he doing social media-wise? The blog's over there. The blog is a commitment that he's made that I'm going to I'm gonna live blog this thing. I'm going to tell you my decision. I'm going to tell you my, my, my experiences. And it can't come to a, a, just, a, a just sudden conclusion. He's got to draw that out. That's why there's five schools. But look what's happening on the social media. You've got guys like 2021 uh, wide receiver Caden Prather. By the way, this kid is fast. Oklahoma offers Caden Prather. Caden Prather says, hey – I'm excited. I'm extremely, well, you know, it's all the same. I'm extremely humbled and blessed to receive my blah, 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 right. division one offer. And this is the University of Oklahoma. Guess who's liking and retweeting that? It's not me. It's Caleb Williams. 
Um, uh, even 2022, this is another kid that Oklahoma just offered Armani Winfield, a top receiver for 2022. Williams retweets it. Um, Malcolm Johnson, I, we have a post about Malcolm Johnson at Heartland Sports, heartlandsports.com. This kid is blazing fast. He's a track star in a football uniform. He's got a good body shape. He's got great hands. Can really, he can either, he can either, uh, fight through a press at the line of scrimmage, or he can use his speed to separate, okay, downfield. Asked directly by uh, one of the 24-7 sports guys, Brandon Drum, I don't mind throwing his name out there, asked directly, hey, Caleb Williams, are you watching Caleb Williams? If he commits to the University of Oklahoma, does that make a difference in your mind? Exactly his, his quote is this. It definitely does. He goes on to say the quarterback, talking about Caleb Williams, is someone that I trust. So what's happening is Caleb Williams is building this, this rapport, if you will, with receivers and mm -hmm. linemen, much to the way we saw Spencer Rattler do with Trajan Bridges, Austin Stogner, all these kids. It wasn't just Spencer Rattler arriving. It was Spencer Rattler and crew arriving. And you're starting to see Caleb Williams begin to do this. Now, it happened in mass after his visit to the University of Oklahoma. It almost makes you think, hey, did he talk to Spencer Rattler and say, hey, Spencer, how did you do this? How'd you get all these guys to come in with you? Can you give me some advice on that? Not saying that happened. Not saying it happened at all. But it almost gives you the, the image, the impression that it did. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's what exactly what I was talking about. We're talking about the dominoes mm -hmm. falling, these links joining forces. And that's exactly what I was referencing in this string of five-star visits that Oklahoma put together. It Coincidence? Matt, I think not. Okay, so here's the thing. The five schools. Here's the last piece of the puzzle. No, because here's what's going to happen, and this is true. Your LSU fans are going to say, well, wait a minute. He's doing that with LSU stuff as well, which is true. He has retweeted some LSU stuff. There was one guy who did a mock-up of, of, of Williams in an LSU uniform coming off the field. He retweeted that. Why wouldn't you retweet that? There are friends that Williams has that are making commitments or being offered by LSU, and he's retweeting that. But I, I'm not going to deny that he's not involved in some LSU stuff with social media, but it's not to the extent that he is with the University of Oklahoma, and it's in a different, almost in a different capacity. So there's five schools. Okay, let's let's talk about the five schools. Let's start with Maryland. Do you know why Maryland is in his top five? Hometown. Hometown. Yeah, he's from the D.C. area. It is paying homage to where he is. There is zero chance he's going to go to the University of Maryland. Zero. I'm Things could always change. Things could always take a crazy turn to the left. But right now, there's zero chance he's going to the University of Maryland. Clemson University. Who wouldn't want to go play for Dabo? Dabo is one of my favorite coaches. But you know what Dabo just did? Yep, signed the number one quarterback in the previous right. class. And, and if you look at recruiting patterns, very seldom do you find a five-star follow a five-star in back-to-back recruiting classes. He's not going to play for Clemson. Because Clemson's got the last year Trevor Lawrence coming right now. And then the next year when Williams will be a freshman, you've got this five-star kid who's probably going to start. 
whose name we're clearly avoiding. Exactly, we're we avoiding for a reason there. Okay, so that that marks out Clemson. That marks out L, um, uh, Maryland. Penn State intrigues me, but I mean, come on. I like- the, the the knock against Penn State, Matt, I'm going to help you out here a little bit, is is the track record with quarterbacks. We look at what Penn State has been able to do in previous years with running backs, and you look at the style of offense that's played in the Big Ten, yes, they're producing NFL talent at various positions. One of those does just so happen to be the quarterback position. But when you look at Heisman winners, when you look at number one overall picks, that title clearly belongs Somewhere here. I don't even know if we're the Midwest or the South, but it's right here in the heartland. Okay, so that leaves us uh, – you said that m- much more tactfully than than I could have done. James Franklin has not done a great job with quarterbacks. Uh, that leaves us two options. That leaves us LSU, and that leaves us Oklahoma. Again, let's connect some dots. Let's say some things without saying some things, okay? Do you know how many quarterbacks LSU signed in the 2020 class? I don't. I've got zero. The number two. is two. Plus, they just took in the the grad transfer who's supposed to be a bridge, a stopgap. Also, you got Brock Vandergriff in play with LSU. Do no, we? No, 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 no. Because say Vandergriff already Vandergriff, committed to Georgia. Sorry, I, 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 I said that wrong. You had Brock Vandergriff in play with LSU, and you saw Vandergriff back away. Why? Because the Tigers took two quarterbacks in 2020. Now, let's go to the University of Oklahoma. How many quarterbacks did OU take in the 2020 in the 2020 class? One. And why is it that Lincoln Riley specifically said we're only taking this one quarterback? We only want one quarterback in 2020. Why is that? Now, I'm, I'm, that's a rhetorical question. All that to say is this: this space is wide open for Caleb Williams. Social media is wide open, is building momentum for Caleb Williams. Wherever he lands, he's not landing by himself. And he's not going to land in Baton Rouge. He's not going to land in, in at Penn State. He's not going to land in Death Valley. He's, I mean, he's, he's not landing in Maryland. He's coming to Norman, Oklahoma. And now, that's all I can say based off of what I know. But I, again... I'm sticking to my guns when I texted you the other day. He's close to making this decision public. But then again, this SI blog, I think, is what's keeping him from really doing that. And I don't know how long he's committed to that. If well, you could, if someone can find out how long he's committed to that blog, then you're going to know when he's going to make his decision public. The last thing that I'm going to throw out there when it comes to Caleb Williams, you also have to look at the style of play schematics when it comes to on the field talent, the skill set that Caleb Williams has, you would label him as a well, a lot of people, dual, yeah, a lot of people are labeling him as a dual threat, a dual threat quarterback. I, I think, I think he is that, but he's got a when you look at, um, you know, for example, he's a bigger bodied Kyler Murray. I think he's got a better touch than because people want to compare him to like a Jalen Hurts. But he's kind of like a a Jalen Hurts body type with a with a better throwing motion and ability. I mean, this dude can sling it downfield. 
So while he is a dual threat quarterback, mm-hmm. a lot of times we think dual threat quarterbacks, we think about with the running ability. Right. And we don't we, we, we talked about Kyler Murray as his, as a speed guy, and he was. He was fast, but Kyler Murray could throw the ball. There's a reason why Kyler Murray didn't get the drafted number one overall because he can run. He got drafted number one overall because of the way he can throw the football. And Caleb Williams, a dual threat quarterback, a Jalen Hurts type body, but more like a Kyler Murray playing style. Right. Now, here's where I was going with that. Really is when I look at LSU, I believe that they've catered their offense to a guy who can be mobile, but more often than not would prefer to stay in the pocket. I don't know that Caleb Williams fits that style of play to a T. Granted, LSU would love to have him. Any any program in the country would love to have talents like Vandegriff, or Williams at this point in time. Georgia's already got one of the two, which leaves one of the names out there. I fully believe, and this is speculation, again, because nothing is concrete at this point in time. I believe LSU is is holding out in this current moment for Caleb Williams, but realistically, they're going to get Garrett Nussmeyer, a kid who's ranked number seven at the quarterback position and is a pro-style quarterback well, and that matches scott lanahan's uh style of coaching which is what you said okay we got to talk about blake bell also well, i want to talk about odds to make the 2021 college football i guess it's 2020 it's the 2020 season college football playoffs hey every night local police departments across america receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms the vast majority of the time they have no idea whether the alarm is real or not Is there really a crime going on? What's happening? All the alarm company can tell them is that the motion sensor went off. Simply Safe home security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you anytime anyone is approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors all guard the inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24 7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself, no tools are needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Here's what you need to do. Visit simplysafe.com slash overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go and be sure that your home is safe with Simply Safe. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. They'll know for sure that Sooner Nation sent you if you use slash overtime. Well, Blake Bell has a new home uh, in the NFL. Rich, you've got the post up at heartland-sports.com that talks about that. Tell me, tell me what you know here. Yeah, what we know really about Blake Bell is some pieces begin to shift where an opening occurred that may many people I don't think really expected. You look at Blake Bell coming off of a Super Bowl win with the Kansas City Chiefs, not necessarily known for his pass-catching ability, more of a blocker. And, and that's where Blake Bell is going to continue to make his money. However, when with Dallas, Jason Witten decides 
to leave the franchise, there's all of a sudden an opening. And while Blake Bell doesn't fit that Jason Witten mold because of the difference of skill sets there, he still will find value. He still will earn a paycheck on an NFL roster. And again, it's because of that blocking ability. So clearly Dallas has a need for him in that free agency. Correct me if I'm wrong, if he's not a free agent or wasn't a free agent before this signing, but he signs with the skill set being known for a blocker. It's looking at $450,000 guaranteed on a one-year contract that could be up to could be worth up to 1.7 million. Yeah, he's definitely going to be more of a, a best friend to Ezekiel Elliott than he's going to be to Dak Prescott. And I think the Cowboys are hoping Blake Jarwin has uh, has a better shot at filling that role by Jason Witten, which again blows my mind that Jason Witten has left Dallas because here's a guy that was a Hall of Famer for the Cowboys, retired, came out of retirement last season to try to make a push with the Dallas Cowboys, and now is moving on to Las Vegas. And this comes after the statements of, I'd like to retire here. Right. I just... Well, Well, you know, hang up the cleats for good. and, And... what it says is that Witten was more a fan of Jason Garrett than he is. I mean, he was a Jason Garrett guy. And, and when mm-hmm. the Cowboys decided to let Jason Garrett go, Witten's like, you know what? I, I can still play. Was, let, let's go to let's go to Las Vegas. I'll there, become there a Raider. There wasn't a spot with the, the Giants? Well, I just think either you look at options right at that point. Um, <laughs> Blake Bell, look, he's freakishly athletic. And I'm not saying the guy can't catch passes. We saw him with uh, with catching touchdowns. In the, in the playoffs. I mean, th- this guy was a key part of Kansas City's push to the Super Bowl championship. But he, he brings up an interesting question about guys who are willing to change positions in order to make it into the NFL. Now, keep in mind that Blake Bell did play some tight end for Oklahoma b- before his career was up. But this guy was a quarterback. He, he was he, – he, I mean, a lot of people forget – Blake Bell's probably we talk about the Trevor Knight game. Well, the Blake Bell game was winning, um, winning at Notre Dame as the starting quarterback. This guy has talent, but he knew that his best option, best chance to make it in the NFL was as a tight end. That's why San Francisco took him. Should there the should there be more guys willing to take the Blake Bell approach to make it in this league, or are there more guys that just aren't high profile? I mean, because everybody talks about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was freakishly athletic as well. This guy was a good athlete. He was a decent quarterback, but he was not an NFL caliber quarterback. And he but he made his money. I mean, he he made his money as as a quarterback in the NFL. He won a playoff game as a quarterback in the NFL, but you wonder, could he, instead of bouncing around in the minor leagues with the New York Mets right now, could he still be on a roster somewhere in a capacity similar to what Blake Bell's doing? Is it more difficult to do when you're a more high-profile guy like Tim Tebow as opposed to a guy who's just a grinder, I'm going to work, I'm going to do what I can to make it in this league that Blake Bell is? I don't have a... A firm, definitive answer on that. And the reason for that is the situations for each individual is drastically different from the next guy. We can look at Tim Tebow. We can look at Blake Bell. If we want to continue this Oklahoma trend from Blake Bell, we can even look at Jalen Hurts, a guy who has potential to be in the NFL, 
but his potential isn't as great as strictly a quarterback. When I begin to even just attempt to answer this question, Matt, I, I think it has to be taken on a case by case basis for starters. When well, we people were talking about Jalen Hurts needs to go this route. And that was before the combine. That was before pro day. Now, clearly, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is going to make it as a quarterback. He's right. going to get drafted as a quarterback. But I feel like I feel like there were some people that are too quick to rush to make this decision or to say, you need to do this. And then there are some people who are too hesitant. And Blake Bell is right there in the middle. You know what I'm saying? He's right there on that margin that, man, this is what I want to do. I want to play in this league. I want to be, I want to be um, this guy. So let me do it. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, anyway. Uh, Here, here's where I was going with that. When we look at Blake Bell, I, I think it's a little bit of a different scenario for him. Because, one, broad shoulders, wide body, but he also possesses the height. Mm-hmm. That's easily translatable to the tight end position. I don't look at Jalen Hurts and say, eh, he could move to tight end. So, when I when I talk about the case-by-case basis and i look at some of these more high profile names these guys that we're familiar with where where does jalen hurts fit into that equation where would a a 6-3 tim tebow fit into that equation because i don't think he's he was fast enough to play the tight end position even though he has prototypical height no but i think he could have been a fullback I think okay. he could have been like okay. an H back. I can know? see that. I can um, see that for sure. So, and he had the build for that. And and he, he, he not only a, a fullback, but he's a fullback that you could do several things with. Right. And, and again, I don't know. I, I make fun of you about generational things, but I think back to Cordell Stewart, who was a quarterback in college, a really good quarterback, but he made his career. He, his nickname is slash. He didn't be, he didn't get that nickname until he went to the NFL and he played for the Steelers and he was a wide receiver quarterback, running back guy, that they just put him all over the field mm-hmm. based on what they wanted him to do. They had special plays and special packages specifically for him, and Tim Tebow could have been that kind of guy, in my opinion. I see where you're coming from, but again, we'll only know what we saw on film. We'll only know what we saw from the games. We'll only know what we saw from the combine in terms of speed, throwing ability. <laughs> Crazy question, okay? Um, but I think of... The 1983 draft, the ESPN 30 for 30 was on. And when I see those quarterbacks, I remember, okay, people telling me stories. <laughs> I, I watched John Elway. I watched Dan Marino, but I didn't see them at the height of their careers. In fact, I only saw one Super Bowl from the whole crew that was drafted in 1983. Not live and in person, but on TV, live action. But Dan Marino only played in one, but whatever. Here, here's what I'm, I'm saying is I remember people telling me stories of how hard these guys throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, and, and there were stories about, uh, I think it was Elway, that the receivers had marks, like the mm-hmm. like the the cross marks on their arms and on their body where they would bring that ball right. in. So, so my, my question is, <laughs> but it was a different, <laughs> different game. And it's not that guys don't throw the, the ball now. The ball wasn't deflated. Is that what you're no, saying? No, 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 no. It wasn't. Uh, it was, it was before Tom Brady ball. So, but the only question I'm asking with that is knowing that that's the level that that's the power. That's the strength that these quarterbacks have. Can you put a Tim Tebow out there and expect him to catch one of those consistently? Yeah, I, you're mean, t- I know you're talking about a fullback. I'm using Tim Tebow yeah. as, a, as a blanket statement. Look, here, here's here's why Blake Bell has been successful. 
because he can block. Mm-hmm. Right? Blake Bell has not been successful because he can catch. Now he can. He's not been well, successful because that. he can break down the seam and, and beat a safety to the corner of the end zone on, on a on a kind of we, we call them a flag play, but I, I don't know what they call those in, in the NFL. Blake Bell said, I'm going to make it in this league because I'm going to master this skill. I'm athletic enough to run. I'm tall enough to ca- you know, to, to get space. I'm, I'm coordinated enough to catch. But what I'm going to make a name for myself is blocking. And if Tim Tebow were to slide over and take that kind of approach to that type of situation and other guys as well who didn't make it in this league because they stuck to this one position, let's look at, I mean, and again, Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson did this in college. You know, Lane Johnson at one time was a quarterback right? before he became a tight end. Before, before he, he played on defensive, the offensive well, line. No, he was a defensive lineman and then finally an offensive lineman. So there's guys who have done this, but again, I think it's it's just so much more difficult the higher profile you are. I remember, and I don't remember who made this statement. Was it J.D. Runnels who has worked with some of the mm-hmm. fullbacks, some of the, the guys who have come up through the system and landed at the University of Oklahoma? I, I remember a tweet going out about a, an individual player, and again, I'm blanking on the name, but he said, if you can find a way to block... It was Demetri, and that's a conversation yeah, that yeah, I had with Jamie Runnels. Exactly, exactly. We, we interviewed him, and I was talking to him about specifically about Demetri Flowers, and that's exactly what he said. He kept telling him, dude, you just block. You if, can block yeah, your way you can on block, the field. You can, you can find your way on the field. There's two people that are in more Adrian Peterson highlights than any other Oklahoma football players. Do you know who they are? <laughs> J.D. Runnels. J.D. Runnels. And that's all they got. And Jason White. The, the guy's handing the ball to him. Because J.D. Runnels blocked. He, he made his living as a blocker. And so I'm saying all that to say, you don't have to be a great pass catcher. Because if you, if you take on that persona, this is what I'm going to do then those passes that come your way are few and far between. You just got to catch the ones that come your way. You don't have to catch 70 to 100 passes a year. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay, let's talk about um, let's talk about the college football playoff for 2020. Um, BetOnline.ag has their, their odds on favorites to make it into the college football playoffs. And I don't know. Have you seen these? I have not. Good. Let's play a game. We're going to play a game here. All right. So I'm going to ask you to tell me. You pick your top four, and I'm going to tell you uh, if they're in there or not. Okay. I I know two for certain. Okay. Undoubtedly. And it's because of what's returning to those Mm -hmm. teams. I'm looking at Ohio State, number one. I'm looking at Clemson, number two. Okay, and, now, and, and when you say number one and number two, that you think they're in that order? Yes. Okay. Yes. One Ohio State, two Clemson, three is going to be a complete and wild and utter ride for me. <laughs> My thoughts of putting a team up there and then immediately taking it down, but I believe four to be Oklahoma. But you got to give me a three. I do have to give you a three. I do know these things. Number three is again wild ride here, meaning I'm about to throw out a wild guess. Is Notre Dame. Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> dumb and dumber. <laughs> Samsonite, we were way off. Okay, I'm going to give you a do-over at number three. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give you a do-over uh, on on your on that. You've got three of the four. I'm gonna give you a do-over uh-huh. on Notre Dame. It, it's a team from the SEC. I just yes, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's not that, Alabama. It is Alabama. Is it really? Yes. So th- so you've got the top four with a little bit of help. You got the top four. Now your order is incorrect. Okay. So I'm gonna give you. You know the top four now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you one more chance to organize them in the correct one through four order. Okay. Ohio State. <laughs> I'm not gonna no t- no facial. I'm not gonna either. tell Dang. you until you do it. So Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama. Still wrong. So here's how it is. Uh, the the odds on favorite to win the national championship in 2020 is Clemson. The one one to two odds. Ohio State is number two at two to three odds. Alabama number three, four to five odds, and Oklahoma coming in number four. So I four. just flipped the wrong yeah, ones. Yeah, you just flipped the wrong ones. And I do think this. I I, I don't I don't have any problem saying that. Clemson and Ohio State are the top two teams returning for 2020. And when I think, I think you look at Trevor Lawrence and I think you look at what Brent Venables does defensively, I got no beef. It's close as far as the odds between Clemson and Ohio State. I got no beef with Clemson being number one. I wouldn't have a beef with Ohio State edging edging out Clemson either. But there it is Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Odds on favorites to make it to the 2020 college football playoff. Oklahoma sends out an offer this week to a defensive player from a local high school to the metro area. And this kid is gaining a lot of momentum quickly. Well, there may not be live sports right now, but as we said earlier, recruiting is going and it is swinging fully right now. Oklahoma on Tuesday <laughs> uh, making an offer out to Choctaw Oklahoma High School, um, Jordan Mukes. Yeah, go ahead. You Did wanna... you see how many offers went out early this week? For Oklahoma? Yeah. Oh, yeah, crud ton. Yeah, it was it was hard to keep track of. It's almost like they've been sitting around for you know ten days without, twiddling, not twiddling their thumbs actually. Um, so Jordan Mukes, um, look, this kid is here's what's here's what's special about him is his his size. We we we've talked about Alex Grinch and the the desire to get kind of a, a more. Um, Rangy. Well, range, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Guys that have length that can run, they're 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 athletic, they're physical, but they can they, they don't get high pointed against tall receivers. And Jordan Mukes, kids 6'4, 192. Now here's the thing, and I already saw this on Twitter. And and if this is you on Twitter, listen, calm down. The 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 comment I saw was he only has he's a three-star and he only has eight scholarship offers. That includes Oklahoma. But here's the story. At the end of fi- going into the final week of of, uh, of January, you know how many scholarship offers he had? Oh, that's I a don't, big. That's I don't. A, it's a big zero. So his eight scholarship offers have all come within the last two months, and he is about to explode on a national profile as far as recruiting goes. Um, in the Big Twelve, Iowa State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech are all in on this kid and offering him scholarships. Oklahoma jumps in there as the latest. Uh, we, we've got a profile for him at Heartland Sports, heartlandsports.com, including his junior season highlights with Choctaw High School. I do find it interesting that it was Lincoln Riley and Kale Gundy who made the visit on campus at Choctaw High School with this kid, uh, Gundy being the inside receivers coach. It's not the first time nor will it be the last time we've seen offensive coaches recruit defensive players. And that's more of a territorial thing than anything else. But 
Well, you talked about defensive guys for the 2021 class specifically. Um, and this is a kid that has a lot of momentum going for him right now. And you're going to see a ton of offers. He's going to he's going to come to the University of Oklahoma with probably you're you're going to oh, go ahead I'm, and put a check mark uh, by his name. Look, you know some things here, don't you? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and share. I I don't mind one bit. Um, Jordan Mukes, his mother comes into my office on some level of a frequent basis. Of course, recognizing the name, all myself as well, one other individual. Jump up, greet her. We we just want to know how the recruiting process is going. And I know at the last time that I had spoken to her, obviously, she had mentioned that her son had not received an offer from the University of Oklahoma, but they were expecting offers because they had talked with the coaches. They've had conversations. They made an on-campus visit. They were expecting each of the universities, each of the major universities in Oklahoma to offer her son. Granted, Oklahoma becomes the last of those, but I knew when she was speaking, they were the most excited about that offer from the University of Oklahoma. Can I disagree with the crystal ball predictions? Absolutely not. I think they've they've nailed this one. It's like a hundred percent, right? O- for, yeah, yeah, Oklahoma is is ultimately, I believe, going to be the destination for Jordan Mukes. But I do believe coming out of Choctaw, it's not a six A school here in Oklahoma, so he's going to enjoy that recruiting process for a while, see what happens, but maintain a strong connection to Norman. And, and I, I encourage kids to do that. I mean, you only get to do that once. So take those visits. These are all unofficials now that he's going to get to make the official visits. Take them and enjoy them. Um, and I don't think he's, and I said this in the post that we have, the profile we have at, at Heartland Sports, I don't think he's reached the pinnacle yet of his recruiting process, but he's very close to it. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And you've already mentioned it. I use the term rangy, but you look at the position and you look at the size and then you compare that to what specifically in the Big 12, but across the nation, what coaches are putting on the field at the wide receiver position. And all of a sudden, now you have someone who can go toe to toe in terms of height. They're not immediately put in a disadvantage and forced to do some things that may not be natural for them in order to defend these taller receivers. So of course I agree with you. I think his recruiting is about to blow up. I think he's been put on the radar by several teams who are, are ultimately just waiting to offer as some other things shake out on their rosters, as some other things shake out in the recruiting world. But those offers are coming. The biggest question, Matt, that we've got when it comes to Jordan Mukes at this point in time, is he's listed as a cornerback by Choctaw, but on the recruiting websites, he's actually listed as a safety, a safety prospect. So where, when he hits the college level, what's the better fit? Six four one ninety two. Oh, so to me, I think his future is at safety now. And and to be fair, on his uh, on his Twitter feed, he lists himself as a cornerback as well. But his future, in my opinion, is at the safety position. I think it's a position that that he studies. I think it's a position that he wants to play uh, in the future. And I think um, I think there's a reason why you have the recruiting websites like Rivals 24/7 list him as a safety, and they rank him as a safety nationally, uh, not you know instead of as a corner. Now I think he's the number six overall player from the state of Oklahoma. But at the corner, I mean, at the safety position, he's is he's in the twenties, right? Yeah, he's 
21, depending on which ranking system you're using. Yeah, and and I, I think I think that's where he's going to end up in college, and and I think he's going to excel there. And again, we we talk about you know you rangy is the word that you you picked, and I think it's a great word to describe what Alex Grinch wants in his secondary. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not limited to the corner position. I mean, you you these these big safeties that are athletic and can run. I mean, that's that's just gravy and. Really, it begs the question, though, what's going to define him is can he hit? You know, because right. the safety needs to be able to come up and lay right. the wood, you know. And if, if he can do that, which I've seen nothing in his film and nothing in his, his you know, profiles that made me think he cannot do that. So I, I do think his um, his future is at the safety position. Oklahoma, you know, right now very limited on the 2021 class. Um no defensive back commitments, though, in this class as of yet. Do you think Mukes becomes the first to commit in the defensive secondary for 2021? I don't know that he's the first. I think he's the the guy that I would say, regardless of what happens in the future, he does end up in Norman. I've said that once on this podcast. I'm saying it a second time on this podcast. I Like I said, I don't know that he'll be the first, but I believe he will be among those who do eventually commit. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think he is. I, I think they've, they've been sitting on this. They've been one. This is the offer that they have been wanting. When I say they, I mean, not just Muse, but his coach, his family. You, I mean, you look at the, the enthusiasm around the offer. This is the one that they were waiting on. I'm not saying he's not going to take visits. I'm not saying he's not going to entertain more coaches in his living room. And he's definitely going to receive a bunch more offers. But I do think that once you get what you want, you still enjoy the process, but you make your commitment. I think he's a kid that commits to the University of Oklahoma, and I, he's still, like you're saying, continues out that process of the recruiting period. Yeah, works for me because I'm in agreement with it. Okay, NFL draft. <laughs> hard, hard to debate when we agree here, isn't it? <laughs> NFL draft coming up uh, as we as the calendar begins to uh, turn to the month of April. The Oakland Raiders. Now, Oklahoma fans – became fans of the Cleveland Browns in mass. They became fans of the Baltimore Ravens in mass. I'm going to tell you why I think we might need to add the Oakland Raiders to that list. By the way, they're not the Oakland Raiders anymore. They're the Las Vegas Raiders. That's going to take a while to get that out of my head. Okay, first of all, I can't believe you let me say Oakland Raiders not once but twice. Yeah, and I just stared you down because it's natural. It, it rolls off the tongue. All right, Las Vegas Raiders. The the Raiders, um, they love Jalen Hurts. Now, here, here's what I believe is going to happen. I believe that the Raiders are going to take CeeDee Lamb in the first round. Now, there is the possibility, and there's talk, of the Denver Broncos trading up ahead of Oakland to take a receiver. And I said, Oakland again. Come on, man. Hold me accountable here. There's, there's <laughs> like I said, it feels so natural. <laughs> by the way, I was in Vegas last month. That stadium is incredible. We won't talk about it outside of that because I don't think some people are extremely – specifically the residents are well, extremely Well, I will tell you this. I, my Uber driver was not happy because there's no parking lot at the stadium. you got to park out by the airport mm-hmm. and then get to the stadium. Well, they already sold the stadium. Anyway – Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know about this. No, they sold it, and now they are leasing it back. But they bought the land. 
This was a news article a while back. They bought the land for extremely cheap compared to what they sold it for mm-hmm. and essentially had like a multi-million, hundreds of millions of dollars payday Well, at the expense of the taxpayers. It's so, a really cool looking stadium. Anyway, okay. Um, but Las Vegas, the Raiders, I think that they want they want CD Lamb. Now, here's the thing. If Denver jumps in there and takes CD Lamb ahead of Las Vegas, that's going to change some things up and move to the possibility. Are you ready for this? Go for it. Move to the possibility that Jalen Hurts becomes a first-round draft pick. I don't think so. The Raiders, I'll hear you out, though, okay, but I, hear, I don't hear think me so. Out. Hear me out. The Raiders are absolutely in love with Jalen Hurts. Right, but here's this is my rebuttal to that. Is you can be in love with a player, but if you can get them for a budget, they can't. You're, you're going to. Here's the thing: they can't. They can't get because you, they 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 don't have any second round picks. The Raiders have zero second round picks. They got. So you think Jalen Hurts is in the second round? Yes, and and if he's if he's not, he's for sure in the third round. And Oakland will make a move to get him at the beginning of the third round. Mm-hmm. But I think Oakland wants him, and so they have options here. You got to either trade up to get him in the second round, or you use one of your multiple first round picks for him. I don't think they do either. So you're saying that Oakland makes no play for him at all? No, I'm not saying that, but I don't think they move into the first round for Jalen Hurts. And it's because while Alabama fans and now Oklahoma fans are behind Jalen Hurts in this process, I don't think you pay a guy first round money that you're not 100% sure will be your starting quarterback for years and years to come. Don't smirk at me. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I'm thinking they've got Marcus Mariota as a backup and you got David Carr as your starter. I mean, that's, that is not a long-term investment for Oakland. They don't have a lot of money invested at the quarterback position, but if they're also not to a point where you, whoever you draft, you got to throw them out there in their first season. I think they've got time to develop and that's what John Gruden does is he develops quarterbacks. And by the way, John Gruden really, really likes Jalen Hurts. And so here's where Oakland is. They know that they're not going to get him in the third round. So you, if you want him, you got to you got to trade multiple assets to get into the second round to pick him up. Or you've got three first round picks. And if the guy you want in CeeDee Lamb is not there then you're going to take him. Wait, where is their third first-round pick? So I, I've got them number 12. I've got them number 19. What What's the third one here? I don't know. Do they only have two first-round picks and three third-round picks? I, I, I don't know. I assume so. <laughs> it just depends. Because but the, here, the point here, is this. The point is, is they've got multiple picks in the first round, multiple picks in the third round. They've got zero picks in the second round. Um, the Athletics, Vic Tafar, says this. As far as the upcoming draft goes, the Raiders definitely like Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts. But I don't think that they were happy to see him do so well at the Combine. He went from a fourth round to a second round projection. <laughs> and the Raiders have three um, have three uh, third round picks, but none in the second. So that's where I'm getting the three from. Okay, Sorry. three third round. Yeah, two I'm first round, you. three third round. Now, that said... I think the Raiders are also going to take Kenneth Murray. That's where I'm saying Oklahoma fans need to get on board here. I think the Raiders really like Kenneth Murray, um, and they're going to take him with one of their first-round picks. 
I agree. I, I do believe you've mentioned C.D. Lamb. You've mentioned Which, Kenneth Murray. Sorry, I'm jumping. We're, we don't need to lose sight of Arizona going after C.D. Lamb as well. That's still right. that's still in play, but a little bit lesser because of the Hopkins trade from Houston. Right. There there's several teams in the first round that are going to take a receiver. We're speculating who that first one would be. And this, this, these speculations, these mock drafts that have come out, even our own thoughts are based upon the current order of things without trades being interjected into that. So the whole board could shuffle pretty quickly as we get closer and closer to the draft here in April. I do agree, agree with you at this point in time. C.D. Lamb, I believe, has solidified himself as one of, if not the best receiver available in this draft. And by far and away, the one skill set that he has that the other two candidates that everybody else will be looking at in Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, the one thing C.D. Lamb has that sets him apart is yards after catch. Mm -hmm. No one even compares to C.D. Lamb in that category. It's why he's going to continue to be listed very high for anyone looking for a receiver specifically in the first round. How will it all shake out? We don't know. You're saying that he, he could potentially be the first one taken off the is. board. I, I think the rugs kid with all due respect, he's the flavor of the month right now. He's the name that people are throwing out there to try to get off of the, you know, the off, other two. Yeah. Off of the scent of who they're really looking at. So they this rugs kid is really good. Yeah. But this is true. If, if you had to pick between Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb and him, he's going to be the third pick. And Ruggs is, uh, Ruggs is banking on being the fastest of the three. Right. But again, you're talking about yards after catch. You're mm-hmm. talking about body type. You're talking about right. you know physicality. And Lamb and Judy both have that. Plus, they have on the experience level when you talk about level of competition in mm-hmm. college. I, I'm not saying Ruggs can't be a first-round pick. I'm not saying he won't be one of the top three receivers taken. But what I am saying is if Denver moves up, they're moving up for Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. Right. And they're not – that. I think they're going to take in that situation. Everyone's saying that – this is what's crazy about the NFL draft. We saw this with Baker Mayfield. We saw it with Kyler Murray. And you're seeing it now. And that's really when Oklahoma fans in mass – begin to pay attention to the NFL draft the way it is, is that you look at the the information that comes out immediately after the combine because that information is only going to be there for about five days. And then once these guys get serious about who they want, it's all smoke and mirrors. I mean, Baker Mayfield, was <laughs> he was not supposed to be the top pick, right? Right. Kyler Murray was not supposed to be well, the top pick. It, it was a highly guarded secret. For, well, you, for we, Baker Mayfield. We, and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but I don't care because he doesn't listen to our podcast. But the, the beat, we interviewed a beat writer for the Arizona Cardinals prior to last year's draft. And he was like, no, they're not going to take Kyler Murray. I mean, he was pretty sold on the fact that they weren't taking Kyler Murray because the information comes out right after the combine and then it disappears and it's all smoke and mirrors from there. So you've got to go with what happened after the combine. Here's what we know at the combine. CeeDee Lamb, phenomenal. Jalen Hurts, way better than expected. Kenneth Murray, dude just had to walk in the building and, and, and scouts were drooling. I mean, all Kenneth Murray had to do was just walk in and say, hi, he's getting drafted <laughs> in the front. Seriously. He's, and, so, and then all of a sudden, boom, all that's gone. No one's talking about that. You're hearing more about this Ruggs kid and stuff like that. I'm telling you, I think it's, it's either Judy or Lamb, the first receiver off the board. Mm-hmm. And if Denver moves up, 
they're taking one of those two guys. My pick, with a little bit of bias, a little bit of homerism, my pick is Lamb. But the point I'm making is Oklahoma is going to have somebody, maybe multiple somebodies, drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders. And now you got to expand your closet because you got your Cleveland Browns gear and you got your Baltimore Ravens gear. It's time to jump in there to the West and get some brand not new. Not Oakland. No, not some, Oakland. Some brand new Las Vegas gear. Now that leaves the, the guy, there's one guy we haven't talked about in Neville Gallimore. And there's actually discussions now that he's going to slide into the second round and not be a first round pick. I don't know. Again, I don't know that I buy that. I, I think there's enough guys uh, at there's enough teams that have that need at the for a guy who is a defensive tackle with power and speed that he can get selected in the first round. If he does go into the second round, I don't think he'll go very far down into the second round. Thoughts on Neville Gallimore? Man, I I. I don't know where I sit with Neville Gallimore because I initially I agree with you. Initially I look at a guy who potentially played himself into the first round. If he wasn't in the first round, it would be an early second round pick. But there's a lot of skill position players out there that are very exciting this year. People are looking for ways, GMs, coaches, whoever that may be, they're looking for ways to spice things up, to garner that attention, but more importantly, to score points. If you can run the scoreboard up, I mean, yes, play defense, but it doesn't come quite as important. That's a silly statement, okay? I mean, I get that. That's a silly statement to even be making here. But we look at some of these trends in college football where people are are scoring in bunches and the defense is on the field for long periods of time. Isn't great. Isn't at the top. Let me say that isn't a top 20 defense, but falls somewhere in the middle. And it's good enough. It's good enough to win your conference. It's good enough to win 10 games in a season. Will that be the trend in the NFL? I don't think so. It's a higher caliber. It's the level all of a sudden takes that bump up. The speed of the game increases as well. Like I said, initially, I would agree with you. I would hope that's where he would fall, but I I really don't know. I I have no clues when it comes to where Neville Gallimore will fall. Well, if he does fall into the second, that, that that's as far as he will fall. And that means Oklahoma most likely has two players taken in the first round and two players taken in the second round or three players in the first round and one player in the second round. That's that's not bad. One one other thing I want to point out here is the, the talk on Parnell Motley is starting to increase. Remember, this kid was not good enough to get an invite to the NFL Draft Combine. I think that was a mistake. I think NFL scouts and execs are realizing that that was a mistake as well. Parnell Motley is going to be a fourth-round guy. I mean, and that's that means he should have been invited to the combine. Yeah, I, I agree. We heard all about the snubs of certain players most frequently because we are Oklahoma Sooners fans. We heard about Parnell Motley, a guy who in his final season as an Oklahoma Sooner did everything right, did everything to play his way into the NFL draft for consideration, but more importantly, deserved that invite to the combine. I don't want to rehash that. What we're looking at is a, a, in my, my personal beliefs, is that even if he goes in the fourth round, I believe he's a guy who's coachable, who will work hard, 
has already had his fair share of ups and downs. So the mental fortitude should be there as well. I think you're going to get a steal in the fourth round, whereas he, he could potentially not saying that he will happen, but his value potentially is somewhere in, in that third upper third round. Yeah. Again, I, I just think the fact that the combine is supposed to be for guys who were top four rounds and that's where Motley's projecting right now. Again, I, I think to me, it's the greatest snub of all the NFL Combine snubs. That's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. This has been the Sooner Nation Podcast. Stay healthy, everybody. Stay happy. Enjoy your time at home with the family. Boomer Sooner.